For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three-step drop, goes on the end zone. Hot ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Here they go again, Timbo mode, dropping the throw, Winston out and got those to the left. It's intercepted at the 35, outside the numbers to the 40, to the 35, to the 30, to the 25, to the 20, to the 15, 10, Mike Edwards, touchdown Tampa Bay. That's the dagger, my friend. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. All fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And they're the cannons, cannons. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. How you doing today, Evan? Doing pretty well. Um, obviously, free agency the week first week of free agency the the free agency frenzy i guess has come and gone so now kind of into the i guess you could say the second second tier i guess you could say um but uh yeah so now i think is where we're gonna see you know if the bucks are looking for quote-unquote value i think this is where they can maybe find some of that value yeah and and these are the signings that later on in the season people are going to talk about is is potentially one of the more underrated signings of the year you know, you're really padding out depth at this point. We, we talked about getting some more depth along that defensive line. They made a signing there last week. We'll talk about that. And, um, you know, even in the secondary, we'll talk about some of the departures there. Maybe some veteran presence, some cheap help they can bring in. But it'll be interesting to see how they continue to uh, build this 2023 Tampa Bay Buccaneers football team. But let's get into some big free agent departures for Tampa Bay. We'll start with the secondary as we lost two members back there. The first one, safety, Mike Edwards, who uh, made some bank and signed a big deal over with the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Bucks lose a ball hawk and uh, Kansas City gains one hell of a player in Mike Edwards. He had that pick six, which has been solidified in our intro for the past year uh, week two against New Orleans in 2022. I mean, back-to-back pick sixes against Atlanta during the 2021 uh, season. A-, a lot of big-time plays for Mike Edwards, who even coming out of college has always had that ball hawk mentality. And, um, you know, I got to tell you, I-, I think losing Jamel Dean would have been a lot worse, but I am still pretty bummed out about losing Mike Edwards to Kansas City. What do you think of this? Yeah, you know, obviously – somebody that they drafted and developed. And um, I mean, he made made a lot of plays for him over the years. Um, like you said, uh, really was a, a ball hawk and um, you, you can't assign everybody though. And I, I think they, I mean, they have three, three safeties, Mike Edwards, Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal, all as free agents. 
really wasn't expecting all three of them back. I still think there's a chance that Ryan or Neil could come back. I don't think both of them are coming back. Um, but I, I think it's clear that, you know, they, they want some new blood at the safety position. So um, while Mike Edwards is a talented player, the thing about it is I think he's a replaceable player. Um, that's not like a Levante David or a Jamel Dean where you're trying to replace a number two corner or a, a, your top linebacker. Like I think Mike Edwards is a nice role player. He's very versatile. He can come in. I don't think he can be a full-time starter for you. The Bucks kind of tried that last year, and it didn't work out so well. But I think if, if he comes in and is like a spot starter for you here and there, um, he can be very good. But again, that player you can find elsewhere. So whether they look in free agency to sign somebody, whether they look in the draft, uh, we'll see. But, uh, you know, best of luck to him in Kansas City. Um, I think it's a good fit there. And, you know, we'll see where that takes him. But for the Bucks, obviously, yeah, they're, they're looking to now for sure, you know, replace at least one of their safety spots who played a pretty big role for them last year. Yeah, another Buccaneers defensive back who signed elsewhere is a guy that we talked about quite a bit uh, on the last episode of the pod. That is Sean Murphy Bunting, who signed a one-year deal worth up to $5 million with the Tennessee Titans. Now, obviously, SMB, a lot of people remember him fondly for having all those interceptions during the 2020 playoff run. Uh, Quite an impact player. Obviously, slowed down a little bit, had the injury week one of 2021 against Dallas, basically missed more than half of the season, didn't come back until late in the year, struggled to find a role. And then 2022, you know, we said this last week, I'll say it again, but it seemed like for the first half of the year, he couldn't even find the field. And then uh, he really came around, I think, earned himself a contract like the one he just signed towards the end of the 2022 season, had some more impactful plays, uh, the game against Arizona. I know for sure he had some, but, you know, what do you make of this? Another guy that I think I would file in the same category as Mike Edwards, where He is a good talent. It's homegrown talent, right? A a good Jason Light draft pick, but he's looking for money elsewhere and the Bucs can't sign everybody. And again, like... It's Repl- a little bit hard. It's replaceable. A, yeah, it's a little bit harder to replace him maybe because like you could consider him one of the top three corners and like now like their third corner Zion McCollum, which like I like Zion McCollum, but at the same time, if he's your third starting corner this year, I, I don't know how things are going to fare. It, it um, was he, a, it was a rough rookie yeah. campaign for us. I, I mean, listen, I know it's rough for most rookies out there, but it seemed like uh, he was wearing 23 last year, if I'm not mistaken. He was wearing 27. I'm sure he was 23. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. I'm already forgetting about the guy. 27 seemed like whenever he was on the field, he was just getting picked on. Yeah. I mean, good special teamer in his first year. Um, but as far as corner, you know, and maybe, and he could develop, who knows? But like right now, you don't know that. So, um, Murphy Bunting is not as easily replaceable to me as Mike Edwards because Edwards was a rotational player. Murphy Bunting was more of a like, starter um but at the same time the level of talent that murphy bunting had that's replaceable like you can find that elsewhere um and i mean again just like edwards he made a lot of big plays for him um he was picked before jamal dean and before mike edwards like he, he was the second round pick um so because they picked Devin white and then he picked sean murphy bunting that was their next pick so um I mean, obviously, you're not going to forget the playoffs that he had in 2020. Three straight games with an interception in the playoffs uh, versus Washington, New Orleans, and then Green Bay. Um, 
you know, his pick six against Detroit in his rookie season. Can't forget that. He, like I said, I mean, he made a lot of plays, uh, but at the same time, just like he said, you can't sign everyone. And I, they could sign a corner in free agency, but man, this is a deep corner class. And I think you can find a, a good player in the third. Um, they don't have a fourth round pick, but maybe in a trade back, maybe they could acquire a fourth. You could find one in the fourth that I think you could put in and potentially play from day one. It's that good of a class. So with that, I just, a guy like Murphy bunting, he didn't get a ton of money. Like it, it's not like he got an earth shattering contract, but um yeah, I just think sometimes it's time to move on. And I think once Dean resigned, which was a surprise to pretty much, you know, if you followed closely, I think it was a surprise to a lot of people. Like, um, and I think once he resigned, the writing was kind of on the wall. Now, I do think if Dean hadn't resigned, I think we could have seen pretty much that same exact deal for Sean Murphy bunting back in Tampa Bay. But with Dean signing, who don't get me wrong, you know, Dean is the better player, like, and they were right to prioritize him. Um, with him signing, it was sort of like, okay, yeah, like Sean Murphy Bunting's time was coming to an end one way or another. Yeah, and in the grand scheme of things, I also want to take a minute to recognize uh, the draft job by Jason Light here and the way that he has amassed talent in this young Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary because we talked a lot about you know, the re-signing of, of Jamel Dean, the restructure of Carlton Davis. The Bucks have one. The Bucks have a bona fide number one and a number two corner for the first time since God knows when. Yep. Um, and both, but both say, were draft picks. And, both and draft both, picks. both, neither one, none of these guys are talking about right now. What do they all have in common? None of them are first round picks. So that's that's an even bigger and, testament. And that's exactly what I wanted to get into. So we, we talk about Jason Light and uh, his ability to really hit in the draft. And I got to say, the young secondary he built in Tampa Bay isn't going to get enough credit because I just don't think they were together as long as they should have been. But again, you cannot pay everybody. So uh, this stat, courtesy of Greg Allman over on Twitter. Great follow if you are not familiar. The Bucks set up a young secondary with a wave of high picks, even after missing on Vernon Hargraves in 2016, Justin Evans in 2017, and MJ Stewart in 2018. Everyone remembers when it seemed like the Bucks just love drafting secondary guys every single year. I know this is least. why. Yeah, this yeah, is that's, why. That's why I got that feeling. But you take those names out of the list. Here is what you are left with from those other secondary picks: Carlton Davis, a second-round pick drafted in 2018, currently on a three-year contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jordan Whitehead, a fourth-round pick in 2018, now up on the Jets. I want a sidebar about him here in a second, but let's get through this list. Sean Murphy Bunting, now in Tennessee, was a second-round pick in 2019. Jamel Dean was a third-round pick in 2019. Mike Edwards was also a third-round pick in 2019. He signs with the Kansas City Chiefs. And Antoine Winfield Jr., a second-round pick in 2020. I mean, you got to give it up for Jason Light. We give this guy props whenever we can, and and we surely criticize him whenever we're able to as well. But it's been tough to criticize him lately uh, with the track record he has had in the draft. And, and stuff like this is just, you know, more proof in the pudding. Yeah, it's it's just like he said, none of those guys being a first-round pick. I mean, yeah, they're day two picks, and those, those are high picks. Those are premium picks. But um, it really shows – 
like what kind of scouting and drafting that and developing that they have. Um, because and a lot of these guys were not finished products like Jamel Dean's first career start. And Dean even talked about that in the press conference. Oh, everybody remembers it, his man. first career start was awful. I mean, Russell Wilson picked on him. I mean, they they abused him in that Seattle game. Um, and then he comes back the next week and plays well against Arizona. So, um, you know, it, it's it's the development. You know, Carlton Davis had his ups and downs by year three. He developed into a good corner. Um, Anton Winfield is one of the better safeties in the NFL right now. So, I mean, in the entire league. And yeah, like Justin Evans, 2017, Vernon Hargraves is the highest selected defensive back in the Jason Light era in 2016. And that was that was a bust. So, like, I think he's definitely learned. And that's why, like, in the draft, like, I do think if Brian Branch from Alabama, the safety from Alabama, if he's there at 19, I do think they'll strongly consider him. But it wouldn't shock me if they don't take him. Just because if you look at the history, only one one defensive back since since you know 2016 drafted in the first round by this team. They passed on Derwin James twice. Um, and picked Vita Vea instead. So, and then later on in that draft, picked Carlton Davis and um, so, and Jordan Whitehead, actually. So, I think, you know, you're sort of seeing a, a, a shift of you can get those secondary guys on day two and day three, and maybe not so much day one. So, while I think Brian Branch will be up there, I, that's why I don't think it's a lock that he's the pick at 19, just because you if you look at the history of what Jason Light has done with these drafts, it's a lot of day two guys. And I talked about how deep that corner class is this year. The safety class is a couple of really good safeties there. Sydney Brown from Illinois uh, is a safety that could probably be there in a the second round form if they wanted. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, it is a it is a testament to uh, their drafting and developing of the secondary. And I remember in that 2019 draft after they picked Evan White, then they picked Sean Murphy Bunting. You're like, okay, yeah, corner. But then they picked another corner, Jamel Dean. You're like, okay, that seems like overkill. And then they picked the safety, and you're like, man, like, okay. And then the very next year, they pick another safety. Um, and it has scaled back a little bit. 2021, um, they didn't pick a uh, defensive back until I think the seventh round. It was Chris Wilcox. Uh, and then 2022 was Zion McCollum. So they haven't really invested many premium picks since, but that's because you have that in place. So now it's sort of time to, to restock a little bit. And I, I think that's what they're going to do. And also, I know this isn't secondary, but we're just talking about the draft picks. Jason Lake just re-signed his fourth-round pick as well, Anthony Nelson. So, like, that's another testament to drafting and developing there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I wanted to bring this guy up because I saw someone ask you this question on Instagram, and you didn't shut it down, which is exactly why I think it's worth talking about even for 30 seconds here. Uh, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a hole at safety, right, following the departure of Mike Edwards. Um, you don't really know if Keanu Neal, Logan Ryan are coming back. So clearly you're going to need some reinforcements back there one way or the other. You had mentioned number 19 in the draft. You had mentioned even the second round, which the Bucks have obviously been accustomed in doing before drafting secondary help, second, third, fourth round, later rounds, whatever it may be. Um, a guy who is set to potentially become a cap casualty for the New York Jets after leaving the Bucks in the 2021 season is former safety Jordan Whitehead. Uh, obviously if he becomes available, I have to think it's just common sense that the interest is going to be there, but do you think a reunion really could happen? Um, yeah, well, I, you know, I responded to the question. I said, I don't believe 
I have heard some buzz early, really early in the offseason that Whitehead could have been cut. Um, but at this point, I don't know if it's if it's going to happen. However, I mean, if it does happen and like I'm not reporting, there's no source on this or anything. But like, wouldn't shock me to see the Bucks interested because he's probably not going to cost much. He knows the Todd Bowles system. And I do think that they like him. Just they didn't like him at the price that he signed last year. So and the run defense got worse without him. So I think in a perfect at strong safety, he's still young enough um, at, at strong safety. I think it would be a pretty, pretty good fit and obviously a seamless fit. And um, But I, you know, I doubt he's going to get cut. So if that time comes, we'll have that discussion. But uh, if he were to be cut, it wouldn't shock me if the Bucks had interest just because of that familiarity there. Let's continue the conversation on the Buccaneers defense and talk about some more recent free agent signings. This one, was some big news when it first came out. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have uh, signed former Rams D-tackle Greg Gaines to a one-year deal. Now, Greg Gaines is not a name that's going to uh, shift the... Thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to change the game as far as how people are going to look at this Buccaneers offseason so far. But what's important about a guy like Greg Gaines is uh, camaraderie in that defensive line. Him and Vita Vea were teammates over at Washington. Him and Joe Troy, uh, Tryon Shoyinka were teammates over there at Washington. Safe to say, this Buccaneers front office, especially this Bucks defense, they just like their Washington guys. Yeah, they do. They do. And um, former Buccaneers coach Jim, Jimmy Lake was the head coach at Washington for a little bit. So um, there's a Bucks connection there as well. Um, yeah, obviously – just like you said, it's not a name that's going to pop out at you. Uh, and <laughs> funny enough, the contract details have not yet been released. Uh, it happened on Saturday, I believe. Don't have any details. We're, we're, we are doing this show on Tuesday, and you don't have any details. So it, it's, it's a little interesting. It tells me that it's actually not that much because what you do when a player signs for big money, the agent wants to get that big money out there and sort of like, boast it you know like hey look at this you know sign for this when you don't hear terms right away that's kind of a sign that it's most likely not that much money so his spot rack market value was a little over seven million dollars a year which i don't believe that's what tampa bay is paying him right now i don't know for sure but i don't believe it's seven million dollars but um yeah i mean Gaines is i mean he was a a starter for the Rams for a good bit started 25 games over the last two years for them and uh played well uh he's He's considered more of a run stuffer, but I've talked to, I've seen a few people talking. I talked to a few people that say he's, you know, he's a little bit underrated as a pass rusher. He's not going to blow you away. He's not a guy that's going to get a bunch of sacks and a bunch of pressures, but he has, that's an underrated part of his game. So I think, I think he could be a starter. Um, I don't think this prevents the Bucks from looking elsewhere in free agency for a guy. I don't think it prevents them from looking in the draft for a guy. But uh, I, I do think that um, he could definitely fill in and be that starter, or he could be really good depth. So what's important, though, is, is the age. I mean, they signed Chase Edmonds, who, you know, they signed him when we were live last show. Um, they, they, they signed him. He's 26 years old. 
Greg Gaines is 26 years old. Like they're not signing these, you know, 30 year old, 30 plus year old veterans um, like Akeem Hicks and Julio Jones and Logan Ryan. Like they're not doing that now. They're going for younger guys. And that's what I think they need to be doing. And I think that's what they'll continue to do this offseason. Yeah, that's exactly the point that I was going to make. I mean, even when you look back to when they were building this team in 2019, 2018, putting this defensive line together, you know, they go after Indomitian Sue, who at the time, a lot of people thought was, was kind of over the hill. And he had some productive years in Tampa Bay, but he was over 30 years old and not a lot of guys do that. So you, you go after some more defensive help, right? Interior defensive line, these big run stuffers. Who do you get? Steve McClendon, who was like 35 years old at the time, I think. And then you follow it up with Akeem Hicks, who is what? 32, 33. Um, you know, so yeah, I think it is a really, really, Big difference, uh, you know, not only in age, but just what this guy could potentially bring to the table. Um, because even though he, he's been a starter, right? What'd you say? Started 25 games for LA. He's kind of been there, done that. But I still feel like, you know, with these big interior defensive linemen at 26 years old, I don't quite know if Greg Gaines has played his best football yet. Maybe you put him around some old teammates. He starts to try and, you know, play better and, and you wait and see what happens there. But I like the signing, and um, I, I think it just reinforces the point that we've been making for the last couple of weeks. The Bucks are banking on younger talent, and I know that they are banking on their own talent. We're going to talk about another re-signing here in a second, but they're also banking on younger talent that they bring in from elsewhere. So some of these uh, free agents may not be as well-established as the names we are used to, but another free agent return for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers along that defensive line. Big number 79, the man himself, Pat O'Connor has been re-signed on a one-year deal. Would have been awesome if they got it done on St. Patrick's Day, but we didn't hear <laughs> about the news until the day after. So, uh, you know, happy St. Patty's Day weekend, everybody. Pat O'Connor is back in Tampa Bay. More rotational defensive line help. And, uh, you know, between Pat O'Connor, uh, Logan Hall, Greg Gaines, Vita Vea, Will Golston, I-, I know we haven't talked about him a lot. I saw Scott Reynolds, a pewter report, had said that, you know, the signing of Greg Gaines and especially Pat O'Connor coming back does not necessarily mean the end of the road for Will Golston, but it surely has been quiet uh, from his camp and and from anyone interested in hearing updates on that side of it. But, you know, more rotational help along that defensive line, which is something that they have needed. Yeah, and I, I do think there's a decent chance that Golston's back. Um, just You need bodies. Um, they have very limited resources. He's not going to cost a lot. So you can sign Golson and draft a guy and there's your sort of your interior rotation there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, Pat O'Connor, a, a special teamer pretty much. I mean, a good special teamer. So it's good to have him back and he's young enough. So like, yeah, like it, it is, it is what it is. Um, that's the type of guy that you need on your team. Like I know a lot of fans like are going to sort of overlook it and it's not anything to write home about, but like, that's the type of thing that like GMs need to do. Like you need to keep those types of guys because I know special teams like the, you know, the boring part of the game, like, oh, who's who's blocking, you know, for the, for the punter, who's trying to block the it kick. Matters. Like, yeah, like, it matters. Yeah. You know, and Pat O'Connor, Pat O'Connor has a does he I, I don't know if he had than, the block. I think he's got more than one blocked punt. Yeah, I don't know if he had. Remember that Denver game in 2020? I don't yeah. know if he got the, the block and the recovery. I know he got the recovery. I don't know if he got the block, though, initially. Um, now, I, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure he has one other big-time special teams play. I'm like, not I, I feel sure, like I feel like we've seen him make a special teams yeah. play more than once. But, yeah, I mean, um, he's, he's a good special teamer, and yeah. um, the Bucks special teams has, has been lacking over the past few. Even when they won the Super Bowl, the special team wasn't great. So, um, 
whenever you can keep a guy like that for, you know, peanuts, basically, it's it's fine. Yeah, shorter podcast today, but I wanted to wrap up with this topic as we look at the offensive line. We talked about the trenches. We talked plenty about the defense so far today and uh, gave you all the free agency updates that we have. But I do want to talk about a potential situation on the offensive line. We touched on it last week, but I really wanted to to start a deep dive onto this topic because, in my opinion, I think it's inevitable. Uh, I don't know how people feel. I know it's been talked about. I mean, God, it's been talked about since they drafted the guy. But the topic that I am uh, tiptoeing around right now is Tristan Wirth's potential jump to left tackle. So as we know, following uh, you know being taken out of Iowa first round of the 2020 NFL Draft, Tristan Wirth has been everything the Bucks could have asked for and more. Right? I mean, the guy's an All-Pro right tackle two years into the uh, two years into his career. He's gone to the Pro Bowl with Tampa Bay and through just two seasons, he is arguably the best tackle. Uh, best right tackle, excuse me, in the NFL. Now, is that going to translate over to left tackle? You don't know until you find out, but it seems like the Bucs uh, are more and more eager to find out what Tristan Wirfs at left tackle looks like. Again, I had seen a couple of people mention it, and you know, when you look at the talent, you look at the moves that have been made so far, the Bucs are banking on younger talent, and I think to get the most out of that younger talent, they're going to have to move T-Wirfs over to left tackle because uh, you lost Donovan Smith. And then, of course, the Shaq Mason trade. You got a lot of guards who are ready to play. You got some dogs who can get in there and start for you. But you don't have any right tackles laying around. And you certainly don't have any left tackles laying around. I mean, maybe you have a right tackle laying around in Luke Gedeke. We got to wait and see. But let's say Tristan Wurst moves to left tackle. Luke Gedeke at right tackle. Even with the offensive guards, I mean, you've got, what, Robert Hainsey, Nick Leverett. They also just re-signed Aaron Stinney. So all three of those guys for sure going to be in the mix as far as your starting left and right guard. I think Gedeke starts week one at right tackle. I think the Bucs are just going to bite the bullet. He's got experience. I believe Tristan Wirfs has experience playing both right and left tackle at Iowa. But what are your thoughts on uh, everything going on here with the Buccaneers offensive line? Yeah, you know you make a good point. You know, we know what Tristan Wirfs is at right tackle. It's very, very, very good. You do run the risk of um, him moving to left tackle and it just not being the same. Now, I don't think he's going to be awful because he's just, he's too athletic and he's just too good to be truly awful there. But like, if he's not as good, like, is it really worth it? Like having an all pro hall of fame caliber, right? Tackle is something like Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson has been the staple of the Philly offensive line for years. Two seasons in, we're already talking about Tristan Wirfs and his potential to be the greatest offensive lineman in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history. Now the move to left tackle is obviously going to make or break that uh, pretty quickly. And and come to find out, just like you said, I don't don't think he's going to go over there and suck. But even if Tristan Wirfs at left tackle is average, is that an upgrade from Donovan Smith? And is that an overall upgrade for this Bucks offensive line if Luke Gedeke is a solid right tackle at the end of the day? Yeah, but like I would rather have an all pro right tackle than an average left tackle. Like, you know, I just I mean, we've know. seen an average left tackle for the past eight seasons in Tampa yeah. Bay. And, and, you know, even though like, we accepted mediocrity at one point, it did bring us a Super Bowl championship. So I, I guess you got to weigh out the pros and cons. And, and you know, and I, I think this answer, um, I do think in OTAs before the draft, OTAs should be coming up normally 
first second week of April, I think. Um, a little bit before the draft, they're gonna try it, and obviously you can't really do much at OTAs. It's you know you're doing shorts and t-shirt stuff, but um, they'll try and see how he feels on the left side and stuff. But I think this move will be determined largely by what happens in the draft. Uh, I don't expect them to pick up a starting caliber left or right tackle in free agency. Like they don't have the money for that. But in the draft, there is an opportunity that you have to pick up a starting caliber right or left tackle. I mean, there's uh, Anton Harrison from Oklahoma, Darnell Wright from Tennessee, Dewan Jones from Iowa, uh, uh, Iowa State, Ohio State, um, Jalen Duncan, I believe, from Maryland. There, There's a lot of guys um, that are going to be available that could maybe be your, your solution there. If you find a left tackle in the draft, I would just look to keep where it's the right tackle and, and hope to just develop that left tackle there. If you find a right tackle, okay, maybe you do. All right. Then you do the switch um, and, and see how it works. It's just, it's a risk. And I think, I think in a perfect world, the bucks would have somebody lined up at left tackle so they can keep where it's right. But you know, we don't live in a perfect world. So if they're not able to, if they're not able to find that left tackle that they feel can step in and play right away, because look like not all tackles are going to be drafted, be Tristan Wirfs right away. Like if they draft one, if they draft the Anton Harrison or Darnell, look at, Wright, look at all the other tackles that yeah, were drafted it, in the same draft as Wirfs. I mean, right. all those first round guys are good, but they're not it, Tristan Wirfs good. And, and, and it took them a little bit. Um, they didn't come in and play right away how Wirfs did. So like, you know, that you draft a Harrison or, or a right in the first round. Who's to say? And left tackle is tougher than right tackle. You're protecting the quarterback's blind side. Who's to say that they're going to have that success right out of the gate? So I, it's a risk either way. Um, but I do think the Bucks' last resort is probably moving Tristan Wirfs to left tackle. I do think they're like, considering it and they're discussing it. But I think in a perfect world, they would pick up a guy they feel comfortable enough to start at left tackle day one. But, you know, we'll see. And that also means if you do that, that means you can have Luke Gedeke sort of as a depth piece yeah. that can play both inside and outside. So that's a bonus there. Yeah, that's good. That, that's going to be good for Luke Gedeke in the long run, too, because the, the more useful he can make himself for this Bucks team over the next couple of years, uh, the better that's just going to help him once contract time comes around. But what I'm getting is is you definitely don't think it's as much of a sure thing as I do. Like you see it as more of a last ditch, uh, last ditch option for the Bucks at this point. Yeah, and, and I don't it all depends on what you think they're gonna do in the draft. Like if you don't think they're drafting a tackle in the first three rounds, okay, then yep. And I think that switch is gonna happen. But if they do, like I think they are gonna try that rookie at left tackle before moving Tristan Warps there. I just think that you run the risk. You just you run the you know what you have in Tristan Warps and what you have at right tackle is special. I just and don't get me wrong, like moving him to left tackle. And if he's as good of a left tackle as he is right tackle, I mean, that changes the whole game. You know, because a, a left tackle that good is, is ridiculous. Um, but you run the risk of it not working. Like you, you do run the risk of it not working. So um, it's not easy for offensive linemen to do that. And while I don't doubt that worse can do it effectively, I just worry that there is going to be a drop off. And if there is any sort of drop off, 
is it worth it? Like, is it worth it to take away a special, special talent from right tackle and move him to left just for, you know, and you don't know how Gedeke's going to be at right. What if Gedeke's awful at right tackle? Like, Mm -hmm. then you, you know, then you've made Tristan Wirth maybe a little bit of a worse tackle and you put Gedeke on a right side where he's not as good as Wirth's. Like, you know, and I'm not expecting Gedeke to be like Wirth's, but I mean, what if he's like not even like a Demar Dotson type? Like I mean, what if he looks reliable... like a Caleb, what if he looks like a Caleb Beninock out there? Yeah, like that's a that's a huge risk. Like if Worfs isn't if Worfs is good but not as good at left tackle, and Gedeke's not good at right tackle, what your offensive line is going to be in shambles. Yeah. So it is it is a big risk that I don't think we're going to find the answer to until the draft will give you a pretty obvious answer. If they draft one in the first round, you know, I think that could tell you what they're looking to do. But you won't know probably. Probably until training camp or maybe a week one. So I heard the uh, I heard the perfect analogy for it. And I think I heard this from AQ Shipley. Maybe he said someone else explained it to him this way. Uh, but the biggest way to explain, you know, what it's like for a right tackle to go play left tackle or vice versa. Um, it's like when you're wiping your butt. And, and, you if you've it done it, and if you've done it with your left hand your whole life and then you go to do it with your right, it's like foreign. It feels alien. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel correct. And uh, obviously some muscle memory and some more reps are going to get you feeling right. But that's how it is for these guys, especially, you know, now that Wirfs has had a little more time under his belt, you know, two full seasons in the NFL is nothing to sneeze at because a lot of guys don't even make it that far. Well, he, he's at he's at three. Yeah, no kidding. Sorry, you're three. Yeah. Good God. <laughs> We're gonna have to we're gonna have to make him the highest paid tackle in NFL history here soon, aren't we? And and a lot of people are talking like, oh my god, they're, are they gonna pay him? Yes. Like, and <laughs> do you think they're gonna pay him as a left tackle? Oh, Either way, know. it's gonna be big money. So uh, <laughs> either way, it's it's gonna be big historic money. So I can yeah. tell you that. I'll say this, man. Um, I think he earns every dollar of that contract he's gonna earn. He's he's. I mean, the, the guy's barely been here. He's already one of my favorite Bucks players of all time. Um, how can you not love him? just a big ray of sunshine and he's like the nastiest guy on the team but I will say this my personal feelings on it I feel like it's inevitable that he goes to left tackle this season because this season more than any other season doesn't really feel like an effort see what works kind of season I don't want to I don't want to say that because it's, you can it's experiment been, a little bit yes you just you have a little more wiggle room and I, and I feel like if there ever was a year the Bucks want to do this it's this year because you're coming up on a contract season. This guy's already playing out of his mind. And if it's going to make him a worse or a better player, why wait around to find out? Especially when you got Baker Mayfield as your potential QB1. Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, it's it's not Tom Brady. Baker Mayfield said it himself. He'll never be Tom Brady, and the Bucks know that. So that's why I think that's why I think week one we see Tristan Wirfs at left tackle. But uh, it'll obviously be interesting. That's a lot of work for a guy... Uh, to really try and fit into his regime between now and the first week of September. So it'll be interesting to follow. Um, but a great article by, I think it was Scott Reynolds who put it out over on Pewter Report, the Tristan Wurst article. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, new position, new contract maybe for Tristan Wurst. Go check that out, pewterreport.com. And uh, we will close it with this. This is one hell of a quote, probably the most badass quote I've ever seen from Jason Light during his time as the Buccaneers general manager. And uh, obviously he has the track record and the championship to say stuff like this. But Bucks GM Jason Light spoke out against his critics this week. He said, quote, if I could go back in time, I would do it all again. We pushed, we borrowed about $100 million against this year's cap and future caps to do what we did. And we came close a second time. 
If anybody wants to criticize what we did, they can come to our house and they can look at our rings. We're very happy about that. And we're going to pursue another one too. So, I mean, it is what it is. You know, that, that, that's as close as we have gotten uh, to Jason Light just saying like, hey, we know we're kind of not the same team we were before, but, you know, at least it paid off, right? And, and that's what we've been saying for a very long time. It, I, I don't want to say a long time, but it's what we've been saying for as long as we've been gearing up for the end of the Tom Brady era, right? We knew that once TB12 retired, it wasn't going to be that fun. But I think what a lot of people miss sight of at the end of the day is that the Bucks accomplished what they set out to do. And uh, hearing Jason Light acknowledge that was pretty cool. But it's definitely not going to be the same team this year. Is it going to be fun, though? What do you think, Evan? Well, here's the thing. Like, sure, like they had cap constraints. They this re-signed. team is in much they, better shape than I they, thought they, it was going to be. Yeah, they re-signed their top two free agents. Like, And they weren't just they weren't just the Bucks' top two free agents. Yeah, I mean, they were Levante, like consistently. David Dean, Levante David and Jamel Dean were easily top three at their respective position yes. when you looked at that free agency big board for any team in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, and they were able to bring both of them back. So, and add your add your quarterback for a competition, add your veteran quarterback. You add added some depth at running back. You added some depth at defensive line, and you might not be done. And he still got the draft. So, yeah, like we talk about, oh, you know, yeah, the Bills come and do the Bills come and do. They've lost Mike Edwards, Sean Murphy, Bunting, and Nacho. Like, uh, those guys are replaceable. And they took a $35 million dead cap hit from Tom Brady. Yeah. Like, it, they, they could have only taken, what was it going to be, 11 mil this year or 24 I think, mil? I, th- I, think, I think it was 11. I think it was 11 this year, and then it would have been uh, 24 next year. Yeah, when you talk about long-term success. Or actually, no, I have that wrong. It, it, they would have saved 11 this year, so it would have been 24. But still, yeah, you would have had 11 more to play with, yeah. When you talk about long-term success and, and setting this team up to be competitive in a post-Tom Brady era – Taking taking that hit in one year was was obviously what was going to be best for the Bucks, and I know not a lot of people wanted to do it because you know you get attached to some players and you want to make sure you can bring everyone back. But it, it's a business; it's it's reality, and uh, the reality that we live in is that Jason Light, Mike Greenberg, and everyone else in that Bucks front office, man, they put in the work, and here we are. The Bucks are not coming into this season as a team who is clearly going to finish dead last in the NFC South. Obviously, we got to wait and see how that quarterback uh, sweepstakes wraps up between Atlanta and Carolina. But, I mean, I think this is a team that can still compete. Um, it's tough to say. I don't want to buy I, – I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket because, you know, I, I got to say that, and then I got to talk myself into buying into the bigger yes. hype. And then there, I to- there, There's a difference. Um, right. There, here's, here's a difference between what you're saying, and I don't want people to – Miss misunderstand what you're saying is a Super Bowl likely this year? No, like that's that's the that's the growth year, right? This is the the retool year where like the last three years you were expected to compete for Super Bowls. This year that shouldn't be the expectation, but can they be competitive? Meaning like yeah, like they're not going to win only three or four games. Like yes, like they will be competitive and. You know, might they be bad? Hey, look, you can be bad any year. Injuries, you know, players not playing well. You know, I mean, if, if the quarterback position is huge, like if Baker Mayfield doesn't play well and then Kyle Trask comes in, he don't play well, that could really sink him. Um, you know, be, but, leaning on, be leaning on Ryan Griffin by October. <laughs> um, That'd be but, so awful. You know, but at, at the same time, like, you know, you're, you're 
the roster can still be competitive. Can it win a Super Bowl? Probably not. Uh, can it even win a playoff game? Maybe, who knows? But it can be competitive. You're not going to be, um, and that's, you know, they didn't tear it down to the studs. And that's why early in the offseason, when every, after Brady retired, when everybody was like, oh, I guess Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I guess they're on the market now. Like, no, like they're not on the market because the Bucks aren't rebuilding and the Bucks aren't rebuilding because Todd Bowles and Jason Light know they can't go through a rebuild because neither one of them would be here to see it through. And I think something else that not a lot of people talk about, only because we are focused on the 2023 season. Um, if the Bucks play their cards right, which they have, you can still field a team that looks attractive to a potential free agent quarterback because may have to sign one a year from now. I don't know. But if the Bucks are in a position where they have to sign a free agent quarterback next year, and you still have this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy under contract, you re-sign this guy, and you've got all of this spending money that you now have because the NFL cap went up and you took that dead cap hit from Tom Brady. I mean, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And, uh, you know, building a championship team takes a while. Some teams, it, it takes, you know, not as long, but sometimes you got to sell your soul to, to build that team. And I think, you know, what both of us are trying to say here is that the Buccaneers definitely sold their soul but as of right now, it seems like they're kind of doing okay, much better yeah, than a like lot of us they, thought they were going to be at this they, point. They, the they sold, they sold their soul, and they're not really like the Grim Reaper isn't like coming down on them too hard, you know. Um, let them, let and, them off a warning this time. Yeah, sort of like yeah, like a slap on the wrist, kinda. Um, but because like obviously, yeah, like you don't have Tom Brady on your team, and like that sucks. Like that makes you worse. But hey. Um, and the other thing that you can do, not only sign a Freighton's quarterback, but if you have the roster that you do, that means you don't have as many needs potentially. And when you don't have as many needs, that means you might be able to move up in the NFL draft to get your quarterback. You know, if you can move up into the top five, you trade your first round pick and then you trade another first round pick or something because you don't need it. You don't have as many needs that like, oh, we need these draft picks. You can go be aggressive to get your next guy for the next 10 to 15 years. So next year's quarterback class is really, really good. If the Bucks don't make the playoffs, they're going to be, I think, the lowest uh, – the, the Bucks are the lowest team to make the playoffs, so that's 19th. So they're going to be anywhere from 18 to 1. So you can trade up in that – let's say you're at 13. Like, they can move up from 13 to 3 or whatever and, and get their quarterback, go be aggressive. That's what allows you, when you're building a roster this way, you have Crawford Davis, you have Jamel Dean, you know, you sign Antoine Winfield long-term. If you sign Devin White long-term, no matter what you think of that, um, if Joe Trinshawinka continues to develop, you got Tristan Wirfs, you have these pieces that allows you to be aggressive to go up and get that quarterback. So, um, and, and that's, hey, we're talking, that's if, Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask don't work out like that's that's if these guys don't work out and we don't know maybe they do who knows yeah exactly I just wanted to make that point because we we talk about you know potentially putting the pieces back together for the Bucks to look like a championship contender someday right and uh in my opinion I think it's gonna happen with a free agent quarterback because the Bucks are two for two in the Super Bowl uh, every time they sign a free agent quarterback. So yeah, it, is, I mean, it is true. It is true. Yeah. And they just signed a free agent quarterback. So I'm just saying, I literally just said 10 minutes ago, I don't want to buy into the Baker hype. Here, <laughs> here, here you are playing all the seeds. Um, 
real quick before we, we wrap up, somebody asked me this, so I just want to uh, somebody asked me when the Buccaneers are going to be wearing their throwback uniforms this season. And my response was, well, the schedule is not out yet. So the schedule typically comes out uh, two weeks before the draft. And if you look at the history of when they wore them from 2009 to 2012, they typically wore them in early December. to mid early to mid October. Oh, um, a lot of the time in December. Maybe it really has been 11. I, I, I think the one year versus Atlanta, I think they wore them in December, but I'm pretty sure that Green Bay game was pretty early. I know the New Orleans game was pretty early, and I think the Carolina game was also because that's that's the ones I remember. I remember every single time they wore them. Um, so I would expect it to be sometime then. But and I'm also sure the Bucks aren't going to announce that until we're closer to the season. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I know there's going to be a lot of hype and excitement for that, but uh uh, just going to have to hold your horse a little bit on it. Well, we don't have the schedule yet, but I do have a list of the 2023 opponents. We know yes. it's going to be a home game. Do you want to try and guess which one it's going to be? Yeah, so I, I and I was thinking about this a lot. I mean, Chicago is on the schedule. I, I was going to say either Chicago or Detroit. NFC Detroit, Central, call yeah, it a day. The, the, the two old school ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they've already done it each time against New Orleans, Carolina, and Atlanta. Um, so that's, they've already covered the division. So I, I, I think, I think Chicago or Detroit makes sense. Yeah. I was thinking Chicago or Detroit, but I, I bet you that Falcons game is, is the dark horse. I, I bet you more likely than not, it ends up being, it all depends on what the schedule is. Yeah. It all depends. Like, you know, so we'll find out if that Atlanta game is going to be, uh, you know, the last week of the season for another year in a row. If that's the case, I think we have a good chance for the season finale being the creamsicle. But season finale might be meaningless. Like, yeah, yeah like, like a lot of people are probably going to be checked out if the Bucks are not in shape for a playoff run. So uh, it's, I think I, I think I, it's, it's going to be within weeks four to weeks eight. It's going to be within that. My gut says Chicago is going to be the home opener because that's what it was in uh, 17, 18. Well, it wasn't. Yeah, it was uh, the home opener. Yeah, it was supposed to be 17. Yeah, it was week two. And then yeah, it got the home opener. It, it, yes, yes. Because uh, the hurricane and all that crazy stuff. So I don't uh, think they're wearing a home opener. No, I don't think they will either. That's why I think it's going to be either. So I'll lock it in as the Lions or the Falcons. The Bears just seems too easy. And I, it, I feel like that's going to be the home opener, but I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I, I think I could see a divisional matchup being the home opener. Yeah. But. Okay. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for today's episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. Thank you so much for listening and hanging out with us. Go follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens, which is oh so important during the free agency era. Speaking of Bucks updates as they happen, go follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What have you got in the hopper? Oh, just going to keep covering for agency. So um, whether it's breaking news, you know, opinions, rumors, stuff like that. So just keep an eye on BucksNation.com and we got you guys covered. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. And be on the lookout for this week's Bucks poll. I'm going to float a topic out there, get your thoughts on it, and uh, we will talk about it on next week's podcast. But thank you again for hanging out with us, folks. I'm your host, Trent Matthews, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go Bucks.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.